Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia Farm Team. Today we're delighted to have the Dairy SA team back on the pod with Regional Extension Officer Beck Burgess joined by Dairy SA Chair Andrew Cavill for a chat on how heifer genomics have transformed his herd. Andrew farms at Bull Lagoon about a half an hour from the Victorian border near Narracoot. He's a great advocate for the positive benefits of genomic testing and it's well worth having a listen to what Andrew has to say. So just to start, Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? So I'm 58 years old and married with five children, five grown-up children now. Well, they're not children now, they're all adults. Uh, And uh, we milk about 750 cows at Bull Lagoon, which is uh, 100 k's north of Mount Gambier in the southeast of South Australia. Uh, Mainly irrigation uh, pastures, but some dry land as well. Fabulous. So we're here today to talk about genomic testing um, and how you use genomics, particularly in your business. But for someone who isn't really aware what genomic testing is or genomics in general, how would you, in your words, explain that to them? So genomic testing is a very simple uh, process for us to go through. We just take a little tiny notch out of the calves ear when when we tag them, put them in the shed, and uh, we take a, a little notch out of their ear, which takes a few seconds, put it in a little vial and send it off. Uh, when we've done 100 or something, we send it off and, uh, and wait about two months for the results. And those results will come back and show us pretty much everything that that cow's gonna do or what she's gonna look like uh, when she comes in and, and uh, shows us our BPI or ASI or ABV, what her feet and legs are going to look like, uh, what her udder's going to look like, whether she's fertile or not, does she save feed, all sorts of things. Yeah, so a real snapshot of what the animal could potentially be. An absolute snapshot, a look into the future. So you obviously haven't been genomic testing forever. What did, um, and we'll, we'll go back to when you did start, but before you started genomic testing, what were you doing? How did you meet your breeding goals, objectives, selection of animals and the like? What did it look like before you started genomic testing? Um, to be honest with you, breeding for me was very boring before genomic testing. Okay. Um, I've always had an interest in, in uh, breeding in, to a point is that I years ago worked with Genetics Australia, so I uh, worked in this field for a little while and uh, but it had become quite boring. Ten years ago, I was bored with the whole thing of just selecting bulls and uh, trying to select the cows for those bulls. Uh, and then uh, when genomic sires came along, that was a little bit of an interest for me because they were young bulls and we were essentially taking a punt on on high genetic value young bulls. So that was a little bit exciting, but there was still always something missing we were still just having a giant guess, essentially, uh, about our breeding program. And so that's the reason when genomic testing came along that I uh, looked at it and jumped on board because I could see that this was a, a really exciting and quick path forward. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, that's a really interesting way because people usually say that farming is a gambling man's game. However, you've Am I right in saying, though, you wanted some certainty with those decisions that you were making then? Yes, I did. I wanted to take 
a lot of the gamble out of the breeding. Yeah. And and I didn't want it to be boring anymore. Sure. Uh, and I didn't want to spend hours upon hours upon hours selecting uh, bulls and then selecting cows that went with those bulls yep. that would be suitable. I really nowadays probably spend 15 to 20 minutes on good bulls guide. Yeah. Make a couple of phone calls and done. Yeah. And so we use 100% genomic semen, 80% sex genomic semen and uh, and it's bull of the day. Hmm. What comes out, as provided we're not inbreeding, we do a little bit of checking to make sure we're not inbreeding, um, but it's bull of the day. What When we start off using one bull and when he's finished we use the next bull. Yep. So quite decisive. Very decisive, very simple. Yep, awesome. So with just further into that then, so the data that you get back from after you've genomic tested your calves, I assume you, do you do young stock as well or just calves? Just calves. Just calves. So we're nearly through the whole herd. Sure. Well, three quarters of the way through the yep. whole herd now. So when you get that information back, what what do you do when you get that information back? Do you What's that next step that you undertake? So the, the challenge for me initially with genomic testing is how do I actually use this information to make the business profitable because we spend around 20,000 a year on genomic testing and mm -hmm. my first thought is how do I get that 20 grand back? And uh, so we spend a couple of years just looking through the data and trying to work out exactly what it meant for us. And then it became clear to us that, that uh, this is a tool to uh, sort your heifers from best to worst essentially and uh, and whilst I'm I'm absolutely not interested in the best one, it's sort of a bit, you know, you always look to find out which is your highest BPI or ASI heifer. Um, but that's as far as it goes for us. It's how do we improve our herd the quickest is get rid of the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to identify what the bottom were. And we because we used a lot of sex semen, we end up with a lot of heifers. And so we... We have a cut-off point that uh, that we choose heifers from, and uh, and everything after that is effectively a cull. Mm -hmm. um, and now, the, typically, they go to export as as a cull. So um, instead of me having to spend uh, another fourteen fifteen hundred dollars getting her from two hundred kilos to to milk to the milking shed. I can now make a decision on her at 200 kilos uh, and not spend any more on her and get $2,000 for her mm. at 200 kilos old, at, uh, at 200 kilos in weight. So, you know, by the time they're six, six seven months old, they're out of our system. Mm. And, and uh, the old philosophy of breeding uh, out of bad cows... Um, I don't believe in corrective mating at all. Uh, corrective mating, uh, there's only one form of corrective mating and that involves walking up a ramp. Uh, to me, it's get rid of her. Corrective mating is like the old, the old redhead <laughs> in the family. You go five generations, you think you've, you know, the, the redhead's gone, everybody's forgotten about that there's a redhead gonna turn up. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, Someone has a redhead. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, genetics in cows is the same. If you fix that cow over five or six generations, 
uh, eventually that bad uttered cow or that bad tempered cow is going to come back. Mm-hmm. And um, in the meantime, you've not only got one of them, you've now got ten of them while you've been trying to prove it. So we don't, we don't corrective mate anything, we just cull what we don't want. Sure, sure. So what do you say to people who might respond with, you are getting rid of the lesser generic genetic merit animals and putting those back into the system and they could potentially say, well, that's reducing the merit of other animals who are now out there. Do you feel that it's uplifting the, the whole genetic merit of animals then across Australia because, because of this? What yeah, are your thoughts well, on that? There's still not a huge amount of people genomic testing, but for those of us that do genomic test, um, I suspect that there's only two markets. One is uh, they go to people that have got a lower uh, herd value than than what we might have, so we can sell and that will improve their herd, or they go to export, mm. in, in which case the national herd is improved. Um, uh, so, but from a personal point of view, it's very, very rapid improvement within the herd. I mean, in, I think our average BPI when we first started five, six years ago was, uh, I think it was eight on our first group of heifers. Yeah. And we're now culling at 250. Mm. Um, so it, it's been a huge amount of, so anything under 250 now gets culled and we've got BPIs in the high 400s now just after five years and that's really it's been nothing nothing really has changed on the bull side it's just we've culled heavily we've taken them out of the system and the other great thing that it does is we can allow we can identify cows that are having low bpi or asi heifers with very good bulls Mm. so um, we can eliminate those cows out of our system as far as trying to breed replacements, we can put beef to them, we can, they can be specifically joined for export market or whatever, but we're now finding a group of cows that we don't want to, we know we don't want to breed have because they're consistently having low BPI heifers. Mm. Has it taken you a while to, dare I say, see the, see the proof of what you can't touch and feel? <laughs> um, th- this is something that that I just believed in straight away. Right. Um, and I, don't ask me to explain that because I just, I looked at it and said, yep, this is this is something that I think uh, that this is just believable. This is tangible evidence that we can, we can use the best genomic bulls uh, because the AO industry's been doing this for 15 years now. Uh, we can use the best genetic bulls, but now we can actually double up and go on the cow side. Mm. And and you know, you put two great athletes together, and they're probably going to have a reasonable chance of having a great athlete as a child, and uh, and this just allows us to identify those great athletes, mm. and and so yes, I've been on board from this uh, right from the start, and it's and I think it's very exciting and a huge chance of of uh, increasing farm productivity quite substantially. Yeah, great. I can hear the excitement in your voice when you're just talking about it. So it's um, exciting to, to see and be able to share that with everyone, I think. 
So one of the things um, you mentioned around um, particularly the economics of it, um, and you know you can go into as much or as little detail as you want want to share with people, but um, has the economic gains also been there and been offset? You spoke about there is quite a large cost initially to do the testing, um, but where have those rewards, I guess, been seen along the way as well for you? In, in two places. Uh, the rewards are first come from the ability to cull unwanted cows and not to wait another 18 months and find out that they're no good uh, when you've spent all the money on it. So there's an immediate reward in that. In other words, I'm not spending $1,400 to get it to the dairy. Um, I could probably sell her as a rising two-year-old for $2,200, but I can also sell her on the export market for $2,200 at 200 kilos. Mm. So there's a huge reward, and for, for us, that's, that's our immediate payback. There are other rewards are longer term. You know, you, you're clearly bringing in better cows. One of the great things about genomic testing is that it not only tells you which ones rank highest or lowest, it also gives you, you know, which one, which one uh, how much feed is saved to get this, uh, to get this level of production and how, how much increased fertility there is to get this level of production. Um, and, you know, that, there's, um, I mean, the spreadsheet that comes with it is just absolutely packed with stuff and, and you, you can't take it all in and you can't rank them all, but you can turn it around and rank it any way you like. If whatever your priority is, you can rank it for that. Our priority happens to be uh, Balanced Performance Index, the ASI, fertility is always top of our mind so we can throw whatever filters we want into the system to bring out what the top uh, 200 heifers are for us uh, and just eliminate all the ones that we we didn't know we don't like mm. but now we do know we don't like. Yeah, yeah. So with all of that data, have you ever found it overwhelming? And have you had support to initially when you first started using it to be able to cut through that fat of the overwhelming amount of data that is available? I remember when the first report came back and uh, I looked at the whole thing and, and thought, you know, I knew that we could be able to filter this any way we like. And so I started putting all sorts of filters in and about an hour into it, I'd achieved absolutely nothing other than total <laughs> confusion. And so, I mean, I've spoken to, to uh, you know, Data Gene and all sorts of things, to, uh, all sorts of people, to, to, even to bull farms and AI companies, to tr just to try and work out in my own mind what are the key things I need to target here. Mm. And so, and inevitably they say, well, what's your breeding objectives? And if you haven't necessarily thought about that too much, you just say better cows. And... Uh, you've got to actually narrow it down a little bit from better cows. <laughs> so when we sat down and said, well, what are our breeding objectives? The number one thing at the end of the day was we've got to get cows and calf. And so fertility's got to rank right up there for us. And, and genomic testing, you know, filters those out from highest to lowest. And so anything that might, might, might appear to be good, but it's got low fertility just goes out of the system. Mm -hmm. So, and then you know we so we were ranking bulls on BPI and ASI, 
And uh, so we just decided, well, we're ranking cows on the same thing and, uh, and plus fertility. So that's where we got to. Yeah. And, and it's, once you've sorted out your objective, it's, it's actually a very simple process. Mm. And I guess it's been really clear with those because how do you overcome what you see and feel or what you've known of what an animal should be like versus what the data is telling you. How do you change that mindset? How has that changed for you? <laughs> yes, well, uh, in my early days at uh, Genetics Australia, I used to be a dairy cow evaluator. Right. <laughs> and so it, it was all about individual cows and, and corrective mating and, and uh, individually evaluating every cow. Mm. I've came to, to the realisation over the last X amount of years that that was pretty much a waste of my time and everyone else's time. Uh, because I, it's just so slow. I mean, corrective mating's a, th- a thing. You can actually correct something if you work at it long enough. I don't have the patience to work at that cow long enough. I essentially don't uh, necessarily have any favourites of cows. Uh, I have a clear view of what the cow's there for, and if it doesn't fit that cr- criteria, it's probably got a problem. And uh, And... You know, it's we do everything we can to treat our cows as well as we can, whenever we can. Uh, but at the end of the day, as soon as you have, in my view, as soon as you have favourites, to me, this is how my brain works. As soon as I have favourites, I start actually doing things with that cow that I wouldn't do with any of the others. So I don't, as I said before, I don't, I'm not that interested in the heifer that's the top or the cow that's the top PPI because one very high PPI has very little influence on your herd. But you cut out the, the bottom 100 out of there and that has a massive influence on your herd. Mm. And so for us, it's just been, um, you know, once we got our head around uh, what our cows were there for, um, and of course we do have, you know, some cows that like a pattern and they sort of are favourites in a way, um, and we definitely have cows we not overly friendly with mm-hmm. um, but we try not to have favourites it's just team mentality. What would be your advice for fellow farmers either thinking about genomic testing or even hesitant about undertaking it particularly you know that initial cost is quite a surprise to people I think what would be your advice or suggestions recommendations for them? Uh, the first thing I think of is just do it because this is a huge, hugely payback. Uh, that doesn't make sense. This is an investment that's got a huge payback mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, you're, you're actually finding out at, at a very young age, six, eight weeks old, what that cow's going to be like. And you can stop spending money right there on that cow if, if she's going to be uh, no good. Um, and, you know... Like like everyone else, when I go and spend sixty bucks a cow on a on a test, I need to be able to identify how do I get that sixty dollars back. And for me, that's where I get it back from is not spending more money on that heifer than I want to. And 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 uh, the one thing that's really stood out to me with genomic testing is that um, there can be a little bit of variation in the top ones they can swap around from year to year or from proof to proof. 
but the bottom side of it is very accurate mm. because from time to time we haven't sold all of our bottom because they didn't qualify for export or the, for whatever reason we kept a few, I don't know why, but we kept a few. And, and when you get to milking them, the bottom is the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're the rubbish. It's very accurate with the bottom. Depends how hard you want to cut. Mm -hmm. Depends on how many heifers you've got, because we all need to maintain our numbers and everything. So, but yeah, just do it. This is this is exciting stuff, and this is a an instant payback, and uh, and it has reinvigorated my enthusiasm for breeding. What's next for you guys and for you um, in the world of using data to make decisions? What's next for your business? We still think we've got uh, some more refining to do on, on the data that provide that genomic tests provide. Mm -hmm. As our herd gets better and better, we will be more and more critical of what becomes important to us. Um, and... Uh, as a farm in, you know, across the farm in general, um, uh, being an older style farmer, data has always been a bit scary and, and you know, what do we get out of data? But to me, I think that that's going to be, for the next generation of farmers, the driving force behind their business is data. Data availability, data accuracy uh, is going to be the driver of their businesses. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today, Andrew, and talking about your experience. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks very much. So since we've been speaking with Andrew Cavill from Bull Lagoon in South Australia, a number of farmers have sent through a range of questions. And we thought for the podcast it's a great opportunity to get Extension Officer Peter Williams from Data Gene to answer some of these common questions that come about. So thanks so much for joining us, Pete. Thanks, Beck, and thanks for the invite. So when we were speaking with Andrew before, his um, herd's predominantly a Holstein herd. Um, so some of the feedback that we get often from farmers is genomics testing only for um, purebred Holstein and Jersey herds? That's a really good question and, and one we get quite often. Um, genomics is actually, it first started in Holstein, so that's why people probably thought that that was the only breed. But we've now extended it across Jersey uh, and we've also just, this year introduced it to red breeds. So we've got the three breeds, Holstein, Jersey, red breeds, uh, and their crosses. So that's important as well. And that covers 95% of our Australian dairy population. So it covers a large number of our Australian dairy cows. Um, so Pete, for those coloured breeds, such as brown, Swiss or Guernseys, is there an ability to be able to cover data for those as well? Yes, there is. Um, for those breeds, we don't have enough information here domestically. So uh, in Australia, we don't have enough to generate breeding um, genomic values. But there are some international, excellent international platforms uh, that we can direct people to. So, so long as it's very easy to take a genomic sample. And for those breeds, such as Brown, Swiss and Guernsey, there is the option to direct them to uh, an overseas genomic platform. And they'll get some excellent results from that as well. So one thing we concentrate on when we talk about genomics is testing um, heifers and um, that, that next generation. But what about if people have got calves side by their herd bulls? How useful is genomic testing for them? 
Uh, calves by your herd bull can be genomic tested, uh, just as the calves by the AI sires are. Um, and again, we can do that for the three breeds, Holstein, Jersey and Red breeds. Uh, all we need to know is a little bit about your bull. So the breed of the bull is important. So we need to know if it's a Holstein, Jersey or Red breeds bull. And uh, we ideally would like the bull himself. So if you can, take a sample of the bull. Uh, and that will also not only give a better prediction on his calves, but we'll also be able to tell you which calves that bull has sired. So it's a really important uh, plus is that if you do your herd bull, which is very easy, uh, we can also determine which calves he has sired. And particularly if you've got multiple herd bulls, we can tell you accurately which calf was sired by which bull. So I, or a farmer, um, have tested their heifers coming through and they've actually received negative BPI numbers. So what does that mean that those results are not accurate? No, what, what the negative means, for every breed, so for the three breeds, we actually have a reference point uh, and that reference point is set at the average of AI bred cows that are born within a five-year period. So it's called a base and that base extends from cows born between 2009 and 2013. So we actually use those cows as our reference. So if you have a negative value, what that's just telling us is that relative to that base or that, that group of cows, your cow is not to, um, to the average of those. So negative just indicates that you're, you're below average to that reference group. Great, thanks, Peter, and thank you so much for joining us to answer a few of those questions that have come through from farmers. And if anyone ever needs any further information, the Dairy Australia website's got plenty of info. Terrific. Thanks, Beck, and thanks for the invite. Thanks to Andrew and Beck. It's great to hear such a positive story of using genomic technology to improve outcomes on the farm. Just to reiterate some of the key points from the discussion. With heifer genomics, you can save money on rearing costs by not rearing heifers that are unlikely to perform in your herd in future. Genomic testing allows you to reliably predict a heifer's future performance in areas of importance to you from soon after birth. For example, fertility, feed saved, lameness and other traits. Jerseys, Holstens, red breeds and their crosses can also be genomically tested. For more information, go to dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash genomics or talk to your local extension officers. That's it for this podcast. You can find other Dairy Pod episodes, as always, wherever you subscribe to your favourite pods. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye for now.